Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. Our guest today, Alan Taylor, started cartoonportraits.co.uk to help his dad top up his pension more quickly than the oil portrait he was currently selling. When Jim, Alan's dad, died suddenly, Alan, who's not good at drawing, had to figure out a way to fulfill four orders that were still in the pipeline. And figure he did. Pretty soon he developed a way for anybody, regardless of artistic ability, to produce impressive cartoon portraits using their computer. Alan Taylor shares his journey from helping his dad market his artwork on the internet, built a successful brand after his father's passing. He transitioned to creating a way to replicate his father's work without his father's talent. He shares about the changes in digital marketing and the value of building your own email list. Well, Alan, welcome to the show. I'm glad uh, you've taken the time today to join us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your, uh, I, I guess, trip into entrepreneurship. I know that uh, you're you're an artist and obviously art is a, a hard business to uh to make a living at in, in most cases so let's let's just maybe start there yeah well we'll start with that i would i would kind of argue with that i'm i'm basically not an artist um <laughs> Fair enough. i i really can't draw that well at all but my dad can so that's how that started he um it's like around the start of this turn of the millennium kind of first five years or so he was is supplementing his pension basically um, by selling like oil paintings that he drew from people's photographs. Um, so, so that business sort of came about as me helping him really, because um, I, I suppose you'd call it a limiting belief that he had or something like that. He didn't think he could charge more for what he was doing than he was doing at the time. And the oil paintings were taking him a lot longer than like justified the time he spent on doing them, if that makes any sense. Um, so in one of the, it was advertising in like print magazines at the time. And one of them was a, a bridal magazine. So looking through that magazine, we saw another advert somebody was advertising they call them cartoon portraits and it's kind of like a caricature thing that doesn't it doesn't make anybody feel bad about the way they look <laughs> so if you've got you know you will look as you do in the picture if you've got big ears you will have big ears but they won't be comically big ears you know what i mean it's no sharp pointy exaggerated drawings your face will look like your face does really um but everything else in it is drawn in a like a cartoony fashion so the head is big and the, the cartoony body's little um but you'd be surrounded with references to stuff that 
it's to do with your life, like your family, your work, your your hobbies. And, and for example, I play guitar. So on one that I did of me and my other half for her birthday, I, I'm on there holding a the guitar and she's got a shopping bag and I drink ridiculous amount of Diet Coke. So we've got a couple of bottles of that on the floor and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I would say that they just happened to be what you would consider artworks, really. The whole marketing behind them was it's a personalized gift. And because like, I took charge of the whole marketing online, I suppose you would call it. My dad, he, he would draw the pictures because he was good at that. And um, I sort of took it online. I built the website and ran Google ads, targeting people looking for a different or unusual 50th birthday present, you know, 40th birthday present, really specific occasions, and then showed them like a really specific picture based on that. Nice. And, and that seemed to appeal to more people than, yeah, do you want to buy a piece of paper with some ink on it kind of thing? Well, and, and certainly took less time to create than the oil paintings. And so. Well, yeah, he got, he got to a point where he could do two of those in a day rather than one every three days. <laughs> right. So obviously creating a website, building, you know, a, a marketing and, and at the time using using Google ads, um, the things were a little simpler then, right, with keywords and, and targeting the audience that you wanted to find. <laughs> Yeah, it re it really was like that. It was just any anybody searching for fiftieth birthday presents, my ad would show up and they would click on it. And I think we had about a two percent conversion rate from that. You know, basically just people clicking on something as broad as that. You're looking for a fiftieth birthday present, and yeah, like two out of a hundred people of that would buy. Which, going back at the time. I think we we turn we turn the ads on and off for two days, so I'd spend about fifty quid over two days, and sell four pictures, which was like three hundred pounds. So that you know we got to split between us over those two days. Nice, which, which was good. <laughs> and so, obviously, this was just a way to help supplement what your dad was doing, but it was also giving you some experience in, in digital marketing. Yeah, um, and it was supplementing my income at the time as well because, again, things sort of gelled together. And at the time, I was like an official registered carer for my, my girlfriend at the time. She had she had bipolar, like manic depressive, mm. and so she was entitled to a carer. And I was looking for something to top up that as well, which obviously if it can be done from home when it suits you that's better than having to be committed to specific times when you could be needed at any time to you know do the do the other thing um and i did actually well yeah i did start doing i do do the cartoon portraits now um it's like my dad died really suddenly it was like one day I'd actually spent the day with him and left him about eight, eight o'clock or so that night. And the following morning, I was woken up with a knock on the door that my brother had come down from 
some some of the town. He lived about like an hour and a, a half away at the time. And he was knocking on my door to basically tell me that he'd had a phone call that my dad had, had died. His downstairs neighbours had gone found him, like the television was still on and they'd gone up. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he died like that suddenly. And I think I had like four orders in the pipeline at that point. So obviously it, it would have been absolutely fine to cancel those orders. They, you know, they would have understood that it's a sudden event. He's dead. And, you know, they're reasonable people. Um, but it just, it was more a situation of, you know, can I, can I do this? Cause I'd watched for, it would be a couple of years, I think actually three, three coming on to four years that we've been doing it together and I'd seen how he, he did it and he would use like the same drawings of books and stuff and just write different titles on it. And he, he had, a, I know he had a golf bag that he used in more than one picture. So anyway, I, I just hunted through a lot of pictures that we'd actually saved and I, I scanned into the computer all these different objects that he'd used for building up references to things. And I, anyway, I designed the pictures in a, in a program that I've got on the computer, made it look the way I wanted it to. And I, I had seen him, he had this old projector thing that he would put like paper photos on and shine that onto a wall. To, to make sure he's getting the, the facial features right. Um, so I figured out how to do that in Photoshop instead. So I would I would trace your face in Photoshop and I put these pre-drawn elements into the computer on the design. Then I would put your pre-drawn face in with it. Um, and yeah, version 1.0 of the thing, it was... Uh, it was really, really clunky because I just made it up on the fly. But it got the job done. I had to print the thing out on two separate sheets of A4 paper because that's the only printer I've, I've got. And I wanted to be doing a 14 by 11 picture. So I stuck those together and sellotaped it onto a light box that I then used to basically trace the picture onto the final sheet of paper these people would get. Nice. Um, fortunately, they were pleased with it and, um, yeah, so developed it further from that. And it's now now really quick. And I, I don't know whether I'm ashamed or proud to say that there's not any actual drawing with pens involved in it at all anymore. It's, well, I just I do it all on the computer and then have that printed and frame it. It's, it's just a different form, right? Like, you know, Disney Disney held on to animators for, for the longest time and then, of course, recognized the, the value of the Pixar animators who are, are using the computer to, yeah, to create exactly. incredible animation. And so I, I don't know that you should be ashamed at all. It sounds like you took something and and kind of got pushed into it. I'm sorry for your loss. And, oh, well, and of course, just... Yeah, I, I was pushed. I wouldn't. I would never have done it if he was still there to to carry on drawing him the way he did. But sometimes so now, how long how long have you been creating these these caricatures? 
Um, well, I say we started at like the turn of the millennium. So say I was involved in 2005, we set up the website. Um, my dad died in 2009. So since then, it's been just me um, basically doing it. And um, yeah, as you say, I'm, I'm not ashamed that I don't draw by hand because I think I see it a bit different from how he did. He was, um, he thought the value of it was in its hand drawnness. And I don't think it is. I think the value of it is that you're getting a present that's made specifically for and about this person you're buying it for. And just thinking as me, I don't care whether you've taken 12 hours to draw it by you know, drawing it in your blood or, or whatever, or, or whether you just got it printed. It, it doesn't matter because the effect I'm getting is exactly the same. It's, it's a really special personal picture about someone that I care about. Absolutely. Mm. And it's just, it's a different art form. Essentially you've, you've taken the art form he was using, which of course he has a, a great deal of personal attachment to, right? Because of the, the labor yeah. of love and, and you've switched it to a digital labor and, and it's still a labor of love because you're concerned about the customer getting something that's personalized and something that still represents them. Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't want it to sound like I don't take trouble. I do take a lot of trouble to get it right. It just, um, it draws, for drawing with a graphics tablet rather than a pen sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let's talk a little bit about the marketing and, and how that marketing is, has shifted over just say the last 10 years. Um, yeah, as I said, it started with um, just Google AdWords and uh I think, I don't know if it's just me, it's probably just pe people in general. I don't think you make any changes until you actually have to. You know, I mean, when something's working, I'll just keep on doing that and, uh, and go and have a nice time the rest of the time. Um, but yeah, as, um, as things progressed with the internet and AdWords obviously get more competitive, you know, they got more expensive. Um, and yeah, I, I also get a bit of shiny object syndrome sometimes. There were there were all these things coming out about using, I don't know if you remember Google Hangouts and YouTube Live and stuff like that. So I, I went down that rabbit hole a little bit of if you use the exact title, you're probably going to show up at number one on Google when somebody searches for a particular phrase. So I got a little bit lost down that rabbit hole. I, I did get some number one listings on on Google and YouTube, but it was, I wouldn't say it was worth the time for the amount of business that came from those videos. Um, but I, I don't know when it, it was probably about 2015, 2016 or so that um, Facebook came out with the first chat bots. I don't like that that term but that's, that's what people call them they call them messenger chatbots and you could you could run an ad into that that would start a conversation and at the time google um not google facebook i think they've they've pulled it i think they've still got the good ad the good targeting that they use but would since all 
Cambridge Analytica and GDPR and stuff like that. They they don't let you use it as much as they used to. Um, but back at the time we're talking about, I could say, and, and I did say, that I want this advert to show only to people who've got a wedding anniversary coming up in the next month. And I'd narrowed that down by who also have been married for less than a year. So that way the ad's only showing to people who've got their first, which is paper, wedding anniversary coming up in the next month. Um, so I showed them an ad and ran them into a chat bot that basically offered them a, a really good deal on a, a, a cartoon portrait of the happy couple, including their interests and, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. And, and that works really, really well, because I'm giving a good deal that's t personalized to you. And um, yeah, so that was really good. And I, I, yeah, I still use chatbots as well to this day. I can't target quite as well as that, um, but it's all good. Well, and and at that time, right, Facebook was, I mean, it was a different, it was a different landscape, right, prior to um, the government's, you know, changing and making making different rules. But yeah, but, they could let you, you could choose to target whoever you wanted without leaving it up to them at all, really. And, and the biggest challenge is Facebook owns your audience. Um, they do. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, um, yeah, I probably didn't mention that. Um, see, part of the, the thing was that I'll, I'll collect your email address in return for this example picture. That was, that was part of the flow, basically, that if you, give, if you give me, I think it was three or four bits of information to include, I will then email you a picture of what your finished thing probably will look like. And you can then say yes or no to, to carry on to complete it. And so that way I got people's email addresses and permission to contact them in future, you know, outside of Facebook. Um, nice. Again, going back to that time, because um, um, at the same time as chatbots-ish, Facebook introduced this thing called sponsored messaging, which is essentially you pay Facebook for a broadcast to people who've already messaged you. And they were really, really cheap. I'm going I'm to say about, uh, let's say $17, $17 per thousand people or something that you, that you messaged. Wow. So I, I could do that once a month and, you know, generate, some orders from that without worrying too much about it. But I did have buyers and these people on an email list, which I just chose not to use because why would I? Because what I'm doing now is working too well to worry about that, isn't it? Well, I like I like what you said. Like we if something's working, we don't change and, and until until we have to, right? Until until we're backed into a corner. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but yes, as as you say. The whole, um, I live in the, in the UK, which is obviously part of Europe. So the whole GDPR thing was, um, it was a really big mess 
um, not necessarily so much in, in itself. It was just to do with the Facebook chat bots things that they they disarmed so much of it because I used to have it's come back now so if you if you look at my website there is now a banner going across the top saying get your get your free design just you know start hearing messenger but that went away for a while because the whole GDPR they weren't allowed to show that I still can't run the sponsored messages so it I still I do still like using the the chatbot to gather information and collect the email and stuff like that. So now that that's come back, I do use that again. Um, but the sponsored messages, which was the main thing that I did on it, has now become all but useless to me. And they've been saying they're trying to get that back for long enough that I don't I don't really believe they they are anymore. Well, really, the GDPR was the government's way of protecting people from from spam and from unwanted messaging and, oh, and unscrupulous yeah. marketers. Yeah, and I and I get it. In in theory, it makes a lot of sense, but it's created just annoyances. It's like I, I just, you probably don't get it because you're not GDPR covered. But it's like almost every website I click on, it pops up immediately that allow cookies. Because that's part of it. They've, you've got to inform people that they're, they're going to get cookies on their computer. And that's just so annoying now. It's like, I just want to look at the damn thing. And <laughs> you're making me accept this cookie and tell you whether I'm accepting all cookies or just some cookies. So, and, yeah. so obviously there's been some transitions in building your audience. And what, what tools have been the most effective recently in, in building an audience? Um, well, as I said, I do still use the um, the Messenger chatbots for collecting emails. I'll give a free, as I said, a free sample, which I will send to your email address, which means I've now got permission to send you emails, essentially. And, um, yeah, I think it was the GDPR thing that finally got me to, to realize that I've, I've got all these email addresses of people who've actually bought stuff from me and people have bought like more than one thing. They do come back and I've just neglected these people to go looking for new people. And it's, yeah, after the GDPR thing, I think I realized that if I just focus on the people who've already, they've already demonstrated their interest because they bought one or two of them. So they must be. Um, so I just now send emails to those people with just, and it's it's really simple. I I just find something like a little story that I'm interested in online, and I'll then re rewrite that for them. I think one of the ones I did was I certainly did something about a guy who used to inject himself with snake venom every day to to develop a tolerance for it. <laughs> And uh, again, yeah, I think he he actually died from some kind of snake, but then he wasn't immunized against. Um, but yeah, just like weird stuff like that. And I just put a little PS on the end of it that if, if you're interested in a, a personalized gift for whoever, whenever, just let me know. And it, 
it's, it seems to work because it just keeps people aware of your existence. And it's, it's not, I think the, it's brilliant because the PS is a really good place to put that call to action, but it makes it look like that's not the reason that I'm sending the email. It's like I'm sharing this funny story that I found with a friend. I know you might be interested in this. I've actually heard that oh. the PS the PS is the most read part of any email. Well, yeah, let's let's hope so. <laughs> I, I did. I, I've got to admit, I did actually get that trick from. There's. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's a guy called Tony Shep, Tony Shepherd. Hmm. Yeah, um, and it's what he does. He just sends entertaining emails and puts a, a call to action in the PS. So I gave it a try and. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> That's terrific. Well, I like that you're, you know, you're keeping, keeping uh, your name in front of, you know, your list and, and, you know, some marketers would call that, you know, keeping the list warm, right? Like, like they're aware of who you are. They're seeing emails from you. And if you're sharing stories that are funny and enjoyable, they're, they're going to stay on the list just because that was weird. Right. Like that was, that was yeah. funny. And they don't feel like you're, you know, you just kept saying bye, 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 like so many marketers well, are just yeah. dating us what, with bye messages. I'm going to be honest. That's why I was a bit frightened of actually doing this, just emailing the list, because it's like I've delivered your picture. What am I? What am I going to say to you now? Well, do you want to buy another one for somebody else? <laughs> and um, and yeah, it was just this. Just tell a story that's completely unrelated to it, and then it's like. I, it's just like having a conversation with a friend and I thought that was brilliant. So I now feel free to email every day because I can find something different to say every day. <laughs> nice. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com. A-D-D valuemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So let's talk about, obviously, this digital journey, you know, over the last 20 years has been, you know, growing. You talked about a couple of rabbit holes that you went down, but in what ways have, have mentors or, or online courses helped you rather than distracted you? <laughs> um, yeah, well, like I said, the... Um... The Tony Shepard thing that I got about this sending emails and he's, he's all saying he's generally having a self-contained business, which I thought was really good for the kind of thing that I, I do because it doesn't really link to and need affiliates and, and such. Although affiliates are, I say that, affiliates are actually good. And... Um, yeah, because I was trying to figure out how to include those into the bots as well. Because I've I've got like a a referral program, um, that yeah, because I created these lead magnet things. And if for anyone who basically the idea is, if you send anyone else to to opt in and download my, um, I think it's called and give always give amazing gifts guide. And for anyone who downloads that, for anything that they ever go on to buy from me for like eternity, the person who referred them to opt-in, they're going to get 30% of that sale forever. 
so so i mean that seems to work quite quite well because obviously you're getting you're getting something for basically nothing aren't you you're just saying you might be interested in this have a look at it um and also with the the chat bots as well which is something i'm quite interested in um there's a guy called Tr travis stevenson i think he's called he runs he runs chatmatic company and he was talking all about instagram yeah because you know they recently opened up dm automation the whole api thing for instagram um where there are already people who rely on that infrastructure environment whatever it's called uh, you know the influencers they rely on their followers seeing their posts and they're already they're being paid for that but if they can now because there's a lot of linking bio there that i've looked at and you also see people complaining about the algorithm not showing the post as widely as they want it to and i think the chatbots hate that term but the <laughs> dm automation it's it's a really good way of of fixing that, that instead of i'm um, just saying click the link in my bio um dm me i don't know sausage or you know whatever it is and you've got a um, bleh, bleh, can't even speak you've got a thing set up that will automatically send a message out whenever anyone dms you that particular keyword or if they comment on a specific post it can send them out a message which will open up a whole conversation um so you can now have the influencer saying um just comment on this um like giveaways for example is a particular one you see those all over the place on instagram and it seems all they're after is followers from these things because it's like to enter, you've got to follow follow me, like this post, tag three friends. And I think you can still have all of that, absolutely all of that. It's like, um, follow me, like this post, and tag three friends in the comments. And when you do that, it will automatically send you a message asking for your email, because email is the way we're going to announce whether you've won or not. <laughs> and that way you're collecting an email as well um if you want three entries instead of just one um give me your phone number <laughs> now and then you've got an sms number and an email and surely that's that's got to make you worth more to whoever's paying you as an influencer than just relying on instagram showing your post um, well it certainly puts you know it, it takes what instagram owns and gives you a, a list of emails and sms numbers that you it, own it puts you in charge of it and i think people are baffled by numbers and the ego of numbers i want to say <laughs> um it, it it seems to mean more to somebody to have five hundred thousand followers um, than like a quarter of that on an email list and less, it, it would be so much yes yeah, so much more profitable for you to have a quarter of your followers on an sms list 
because mm. you can just instantly message them you know i've got this offer on go and buy it now and you get way well, more eyeballs than relying on the 10 percent that instagram are going to show and the read the read rate on sms is is incredible in even comparison to emails like <laughs> oh god yeah 97 percent open rates on sms which yeah. is why it's it's just that ridiculous a number because it and I can see why why you're fooled by it because yeah I've got this really huge number of followers and it's easy to assume that they're all going to see everything that you post but they don't it's it's like average I think it's like seven or eight percent well obviously because Instagram is part of Facebook Facebook's part of Meta and and they're in the business of making money and so it's it's a yeah. pay to play platform. <laughs> if we're yeah. if we're being one hundred percent honest, it's a pay to play platform. And unless you're posting something that's keeping people on the platform, like if you've got a reel that you know a million people are seeing, or or you've got a you know a, if if you're if you're holding people on Instagram or you're holding people on Facebook, then they're going to compensate you that way. But but otherwise. Yeah. You know, you have to pay to get to get that views up where you think they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. And that's understandable. And that's the way Instagram and Facebook are making their money. That <laughs> to totally, it's it's almost like what you want from them is diametrically opposed from what they want. Because you want all of your followers to see your post, and they want all of your followers to see the post of someone who's paying them to show that post. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and given that most people, let's be honest, most people don't buy the first time they see something. And right. so you could even be, it sounds ridiculous, but you could even be selling a competitor's product because they're going to see your post. And, you know, we, we said about Facebook not allowing as good targeting as they used to do. I think they still do in the secret mechanisms that they work. So it's like if you're bidding on a particular thing, Facebook will know that this person has just interacted with something really similar. So they're going to put, and like for example, the other the other week I bought, it was actually an anniversary present, but she's getting it for Christmas. But um, it was an, a necklace. It's like a bee a bee kind necklace. It's a sunflower that opens up. And oh, nice. I've actually seen those on the ads. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I bought one of those. And ever since that, I've been being, or I've been noticing, there's, it's a thing called the Freedom Bracelet all over my feed, which I think um, Facebook and Instagram are getting that he, he interacted with this jewelry slash social cause thing and that's why they're now showing the um the free free freedom or legend i think it's legend the legend bracelet everywhere in my feed so if if i hadn't bought that be kind thing on the the first visit you know they could very well have been edging me towards buying this other thing that they don't want me to well, and, and and all you have to do is even search in your in your you know search on your browser for something, and Facebook that's what the cookies do, right? Oh, <laughs> Facebook yeah. picks up on that, and Facebook's going to say, "Whoa, he was searching for apple pie. <laughs> we're going to yeah. we're going to show him <laughs> apple pie kits and apple pie blankets and apple pie, right? I mean, we're going to 
and obviously that's that's how they make their money is when when people are you know pay pay per click paper and and so you know recognizing that that facebook has two motivations you know keep you on the platform and buy something <laughs> that somebody's paying them to sell you yeah <laughs> instagram and that, is the same it. is the same way <laughs> the, the reason they like the influencers of course is because influencer doing what you did with your email they're telling their stories and their story about you know injecting themselves with snake syrup or their story about their their party last night and and their story about not being able to find their shoes and and those stories are keeping people on the platform which is exactly what they want because the longer you're on the platform the more ads i can show you the more ads yep the more ads you're going to click on That's uh, and it. it's it's really no different everybody asks you know in here polit the news has become so political and 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 everybody's lost track of the fact that now the news is competing against these other these other sources. So the news's goal is different than it was 20 years ago when there was three you know three major television networks, and they knew you'd watch this show, this show, this show, and you get to see all those commercials. Well, now the news is what's yeah. drawing people back to television, and they're going to exaggerate or use phrasing that sounds misleading to get you to watch the news like here in Colorado, of course, snow is a big deal, right? So if, you know, Oh, our first snow's coming and they're going to make it sound like we're going to get 40 feet of snow because they want you to watch the weather. Yeah. And it's <laughs> and just the first snow. They, they need you on the, on their channel to pay their bills and, and people lose sight of the fact that marketing is the driver. And, and yeah. so marketing has become the driver for news. And so the sensationalism in news drives people back to watch um and so yeah recognizing instagram's you know instagram's algorithm is designed to benefit instagram not benefit you <laughs> unless you're that, paying to play right. and it's exactly and it's it's kind of like the the store in in some way like um tesco's or whatever i don't and i i don't think you care really what brand you're I don't know, toilet paper or, or something is, do you particularly? You know, if Tesco can make the same thing as Andrex and then stop selling Andrex, you're not going to go direct to Andrex to buy it, are you? Or I'm not, certainly. It's, uh, so and most people are going to buy what's available on the shelf. Yeah, and that's kind of how I see Instagram. It's like you you might think that they're your followers, but they're not they're instagrams or instagram owns the relationship with these followers they, they may decide to let you interact with them but they can take it away at any time can't they which or or it can break and go away for a day because because their systems I don't are think that's out. ever happened has it <laughs> never <laughs> yeah it i seems forgot to be about happening that more and more lately i'm not sure uh, i remember the uh there was a particular occasion when it, it was just down all day, Facebook and WhatsApp and, and Instagram, wasn't it? Yeah. So but, uh, let's talk about your niche a little bit. How I, you mentioned wedding, you mentioned first day anniversary. What other what other niches have you been able to target that that fit your product and and help you keep focused? Um, I just the ones you'd expect, really. It's not there's nothing outlandish about it um i tend to just target the like big occasions 40th birthday 50th birthday 
you know, like the the special ones, twenty first, and you know all of that, and just that seems to be in enough, really. Um, as I said, I target the the wedding anniversary is based on um, like the traditional material because that's why I went for paper as the first one. Um, wood is actually the fifth one, which ties in nicely with a, a frame. Nice. Um, and since since I've gone digital with the pictures, I can be a bit more liberal as to to what materials they're on because I can get it printed on anything as well. So I think I did a T-shirt once for a. I'm going to say that's the second second anniversary. I, I can't remember which one it is, but there is a cotton for one. So I've, I got on a T-shirt. Yeah, the point of a niche doesn't necessarily need need to be extravagant, right? It just needs to be specific. And, and yeah, having if, a specific target helps you in your marketing, your language, and of course, even in in your product, right? Your product is is mostly geared towards these celebrations. Yeah, it's uh, it's people looking. Um, basically, I'm going to use a phrase that pe people have actually said and probably made us think up with the idea because it, it was just. I just couldn't think what to buy is what a lot of people have said. And, and that's the problem that I'm solving essentially. That's true. That I just, I need a present and I just didn't know what to get. So yeah, this looks like it's special and all about them. So let's go with that. Man. How often, how often are people, I mean, that's like trying to pick a restaurant to go out to dinner, right? Like everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So what and, kind uh, of gift should we get? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's it's like not too much work on your part, but just enough. Because it's like you've got you've got to tell me a bit about this person that you know really well. And you you know, you probably could tell me what your wife's favorite food is and what her job is and what pets you've got and if she plays any musical instrument. And that's the level that's required really. So it's like something that anybody can easily do. And nice. And, you know, getting a facial photo of somebody, that's a lot easier than it was, you know, back when we started, because everybody's cell phone can do it now, can't it? We're, we're all carrying cameras everywhere we go. Yeah. It used to be dig out an, an old paper photo of somebody, and now it's just, you're going to see them. Just, just, just click and send it to me. It's not hard. <laughs> nice. I like that. So, Alan, what inspires you? What inspires me? Hmm. That's a difficult question. I really don't know. Um, I like animals and nature and that kind of thing out outside, except when it's cold, when I want to be inside. But yeah, I, I like nature and I quite like science as well. Like, um, phys I, like I read a lot of physics books and that that kind of thing about super string theory that uh, that jessica doesn't doesn't like at all but she she understands that i do and i nice. say so, yeah i play guitar as well i don't know if that inspires me but helps me relax well that can be important all right so so first question is about you and jessica what, what was your favorite or your most memorable date okay um I'm going to say the time that we built, there were, it wasn't just us, there was a bunch of us, 
but we went to a I don't know what you call it. It, it was like a build a scarecrow event. Mm. And that, that was the idea. There were different teams making different scarecrows at this charity place called the, the Scrap Store. So they collect stuff from factories and places that don't need it anymore. And we just picked some, you know, you route through the stuff they've got and you make a scarecrow from, from what you find. And that was just so much fun. And, nice. And, yeah, I remember that. And that was actually the day we got together too. Oh. Probably should have led with that. <laughs> a bit more important than the scarecrow. <laughs> you know, it, it all got out. So <laughs> so how how important is play and fun in I mean, obviously being an entrepreneur, you have the freedom to 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 have more play and fun probably than than a typical, you know, nine to fiver. Um, yeah, I I enjoy fun, same same as everybody else. Um, I do actually um, work, work a, li a little bit because I've uh, I now work at a, a care home for adults with learning disabilities. Mm. So I, I go in there a couple of days a week, and I I don't know whether you'd call that fun, but it it sort of is. You know, doing it that amount because it's not too much if you're doing it like full time mm. then i can imagine it's it's really taxing but for for say like 12 hours it's it actually is quite fun because there's a there's a down syndrome bloke and he just wants the world to know when he's happy Aww. so you you spend a day with him and that's just you can't not have fun really it's just brilliant that's fantastic and, and um yeah at home we like watching scandi noir type things on netflix and amazon which uh, yeah nice it's fun are there are there any routines that you use in your day a morning routine or, or evening routine i don't think so no i don't uh, can't Fair think enough. of a routine <laughs> <laughs> i brush my teeth every morning and well that's a good start. wash <laughs> <laughs> that's the good way to keep jessica there <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got. Uh, yes, uh, I have picked up routines because they keep Jessica happy. So we've now got cushions. So I take the cushions off the bed when we go to bed, but they have to be put back on the bed in the morning. So uh, you could say that's a routine. Put the cushions on the bed. Take the cushions off the bed. Absolutely. We we do what yeah. we need to. You know, and and we those do. habits and that make things work are are routines, right? Yeah, and that was a bit of a sticking point because I don't see why we need these cushions that are there for the imaginary intruders when there's nobody in the bedroom. But uh, they keep the lady happy. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to understand the cushions. We just have to <laughs> no, put them on I, and take them off. I just have to accept. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how I work. <laughs> I like it. So, Alan, what's what's your big dream? Um, Big dream? It would it would probably be to keep on kind of as things are really. I want to stay with Jessica for until one of us dies, which is hopefully not that far be before the other one does. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, as I've said probably to you before for um, any people who are relying, I don't know if this counts as a big dream, but <laughs> any people who are like currently relying even primarily on something like Instagram, 
I would like them to understand that they would be far better served by getting people, even less people, just your best people, onto an email list. And if you can, get them onto an SMS list as well, because you're actually going to reach so many more of them who are interested that way. And yeah, it might not be like a, a hundred million people, but you know, twenty thousand people on an email list is—you will never have to worry about anything ever again, really, will you? No, that's a pretty powerful <laughs> list. Absolutely. Well, Alan, so young entrepreneur sitting across from you—you you just had coffee, and and you want to leave him with Alan's words of wisdom. What would you share? I I don't really know anything. <laughs> yeah, that's um, not no, true. It's, no, I do, I don't. <laughs> I I don't know anything for certain. Um, and I believe it's much better to own your audience mm. than to rely on someone else allowing you access to it. And um, I I haven't found anything apart from email and SMS that actually seem to do that at the moment. Um. I guess snail mail does that works <laughs> well. <laughs> it it does, but it's it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your story and, uh, and your wisdom. Thank you, and, Robert. And I and I know that uh, you're going to continue uh, developing your your characters, and and it's just going to be terrific, and, and continue to support you and your family. Brilliant. Thank you, Robert. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Kathy Riley shares the shine as she spent 20 years using her gifts and talents to support lawyers. She decided to shift and use those gifts for others. Her journey of discovering that the world needed her voice and she wanted to be a role model for her daughter. She shares how she works to empower and encourage others.